Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And don't forget, if you enjoy taking notes, you can download the fillable PDF file on our website at goharvest.org forward slash notes. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap for America. Would you do that? Amen. Land of the free and home of the brave. Hallelujah. Stay standing for just one moment. I'm going to be speaking this morning on the blessed nation. And we really do live in a blessed nation. And I'm so glad that we can be here and and, uh, live in America. And Psalm 33 verse 12 says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want you to just say that with me. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president of the United States, said, It is the duty of nations to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is is the Lord. There was an understanding back when the 56 framers of the Constitution got together, there was an understanding that there would be religion and also morality for the American experiment to work. It, it had to include religion and morality. And, and this was echoed again by John Adams. It was echoed again here by Abraham Lincoln. Those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And I like simply what it says on our coins that we have in the United States still, and I hope it stays, in God we trust. Say with me this morning, in God we trust. So we're going to talk this morning about the blessed nation, what it means and how we can be more blessed. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for letting us be here on this special Sunday. This Sunday just feels so right and feels so good. Thank you, Lord God, for letting us gather together in your name in this wonderful country. We give you praise. And Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts during these next few moments. Help us to be the people you've called us to be, Lord. Help us to be better in every way and more like you in every way. And we pray in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Amen. I love so many things about the 4th of July, the flags and the fireworks and all of that that goes along with it. When I was a little kid in our little towns, you know, we would have 4th of July parades. We would have everything centered around the church back then. Now there are so many other activities going on, but everything's centered around the church. You know, that was kind of our, our social gathering, if you will. That was our family gathering. We'd go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we'd go to Sunday school, and then we'd go to Wednesday night. And all of those things. And then we'd have a church 4th of July picnic. And we always knew there was going to be ice cream there. That was a big thing. You know, they'd bring out these big gallons of ice cream, watermelon, all the food. And we would have, uh, at that time, all of the people in our church would bring in what we called a potluck dinner. Have any of you had a potluck dinner? And potluck was simply everybody brought their best dishes. And man, I'll tell you what, we had the best time. So lots of warm memories around the 4th of July, flags and fireworks and the whole thing. But then uh, I've had the chance over the years to travel a good deal. And if you'd have told me when I was a little kid growing up in North Dakota for 14 years that I'd have gone to any place, I would have just like gone like, really? And uh, I always wanted to go overseas once in my life, you know, to see something overseas. But I've had the wonderful opportunity to minister in 
uh, work in 44 different countries. And uh, God has really helped me to go around and see a lot of different places and a lot of different people and a lot of different things. But every country that I've ever gotten, uh, gone to, I've noticed one thing that's common about all of them. They all want to know what America's like. If they've not been here, they say, man, someday I just want to go to America. I mean, America for most of the world is a dream, uh, as far as a dream destination. And not only do they know about America, but they know about California. Say it with me, California. They might not know the other states, uh, just like we don't know all of the other countries within a continent. But man, I'll tell you what, they know about California. I don't know what it is about California. They know Disneyland and they know Hollywood and all of that kind of a thing. But they want to come here. There's just something about America and it's a dream country for them. And we get to live here, everyone. Do you realize what a privilege it is to live in America? The world has 7.8 billion people in it. America has a right around 340 million people in it, which means that we have 4%. America represents about 4% of the world population, which means out of 100 babies that are born, only four of them live in the United States. How blessed are you to be one of the four that get to live here in the United States? Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. And if you have any issues with America, and so many Americans seem to have issues with America, then you need to travel to Haiti. And you need to travel to other third world countries where people are living in tin shacks with mud floors and aren't hardly getting through the day with enough food. You need to go to Cuba since that's a great place to go and see how rich it is in Cuba where the average citizen there has to live on $25 a month and runs out of chicken and runs out of food by the middle of the month. And if you're a doctor, you might make $250 a month. Maybe that's what you'll make if you're a surgeon. But I'm telling you here in America, we have so much opportunity for everybody. I would say if those that are belly aching about America, go someplace else and live for a few months and then come back because you will literally kiss the ground where we live here with all of our problems. We still are a great land of opportunity. Hallelujah. Um, so I wanted to say this morning, we live in a blessed country and uh, even though America represents just 4% of the world's population, we are blessed with one of the most uh, productive and creative economies in the world and a military that is more powerful than all the rest of the militaries in all of the countries of the world. America has the strongest military of all of the countries in the world combined. So uh, we live in a blessed country and a blessed nation. Secondly, we live in a blessed state. Say with me this morning, state. We live in a blessed state, and that's the state of California. I want to just say this morning, everyone, and I'll go on record in saying it, I love California, and I love being here in California. Now, I know a lot of people are leaving the state for a lot of different reasons, which I understand, I really do. High taxes, maybe political differences and all of that. There's a lot of things that we could talk about this morning, but as far as the state of California... This has always been a state of opportunity for so many people. If you go all the way back to the 30s when people were driving their Model Ts over from uh, Oklahoma and driving over to Bakersfield, uh, like in the book Grapes of Wrath, and all there was, this was a, 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 a state that had so much opportunity for people. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to live in California. I love it here because the sun shines bright and it warms you from the inside out. 
It's one of the best climates on the whole globe. And uh, uh, I, when I lived in North Dakota, man, I'll tell you what, when I went to college, I lived in North Dakota for 14 years. So when I was in uh, Bible college, they were saying, where would you like to minister when you get to be a pastor someday? And I said, well, I want to minister in California. And they, you know, they said that, you know, well, isn't that kind of a little bit of the flesh, you know? It's so nice out there. I said, well, you've got to understand, if you lived in North Dakota in sub-zero weather for 14 years, God will let you go anywhere you want to go. It doesn't matter. God doesn't even care. Just ask me, I'll let you live. But I was so graced in my life to be able to come out here. I'm saying that we have, there's so much good about this state. I've lived here now for 19 years. I've driven all over the state, and I still haven't seen it all. In other words, we have to admit that we are in a good part of the United States, and there's a lot going for California. California is the first state to ever reach a trillion-dollar economy. In fact, I think it's a three-trillion-dollar economy now. California has the largest economy of all 50 states by far. In other words, California is the number one economy, and a lot of it has to do there are just a bunch of smart people here in California. And when you talk about innovation, when you talk about agriculture, California stands way high on the list just for innovation and agriculture alone. So we're number one in those areas, number one state economy out of 50 states. Let me tell you this, we also have the number one highest gas prices in the United States. Have you noticed? <laughs> they just came out with that. Of course, during uh, you know this weekend, all the holiday weekends, by the way, Mississippi has the lowest gas prices in the United States, somewhere around $2 a gallon, whatever it is. California, it's, you know, getting uh, over $4, close to $5. Okay, I got to roll with you on that. Okay. And get this, if California's economic size were measured by itself to other countries, in other words, if California as a state was a country, it'd be the fifth largest economy in the, United, uh, in the, in the whole world. The fifth largest, only, be, uh, only ahead of India and behind Germany, all right? Think of, think of India for all of our Indian families here. Think of India as such a great country, over a, almost a billion people, and yet America right now, its economy is larger than India's and just second to, uh, I'm talking about California, second to Germany. Just this state alone would be the fifth largest country in the world if it was a country. So... Uh, we live in a blessed country. Say it with me this morning. Blessed country, blessed city, blessed state. All right? I, I kind of jumped. We live in a blessed city. Say it with me. Blessed city. Now, not only do we live in a blessed country and a blessed state, but we also live in a blessed city, which is greater Sacramento. And if you go back to the root of the word, Sacramento had to do with sacrament. It had to do with a tie-in with God. And for years, Sacramento was cow town, and we knew it, just Cowtown, and a best-kept secret. I moved here almost 20 years ago, but the secret is out, and people by the thousands right now are flocking into the River City region. In fact, Sacramento is the fastest-growing big city in California. Let me make that clear. Fastest-growing big city in California is Sacramento, and it has been for about the last couple of years. So let's pray, since we live in this region that is growing so rapidly, let's pray that God's going to help us reach our region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I get a witness here this morning? Amen. Now y'all looking at me like you're getting ready to leave California. I don't know what I'm feeling here this morning. Hey, everyone, I'm telling you, 
I mean, if you go, God bless you. All of America is great. There isn't a bad place to live in the whole United States. I've been to all 48 states. There isn't a bad place. There is no bad place in America to live. I just want you to know that. But I'm glad I live here in California. And so many great things have come out of California, great revivals, great Christian music. God, uh, the Jesus music movement came out of here years ago. And all of that came from California and went all over the United States and all around the world. What I'm trying to say here this morning is this, is there is still hope for our state and hope for our country. I really do believe that. So America is a great country. California is a great state. Sacramento is a great city, but with all of our strengths, we still have plenty of weaknesses, and we know that well. We may have everything in the eyes of the world, yet in so many ways we're empty. And sometimes America can be compared to the Laodicean church in Revelation. And the Laodicean church, it was said about, they said this, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I don't need anything. Does that sound like a rich, rich state? But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What I'm trying to say here this morning is we might be materially rich, but we are spiritually poor. And we need to be spiritually rich and not have our eyes on all of the other material things. That's the difference that we need to see here in California. All you need to do is take a look at the news and you'll see moral decline, drug and alcohol abuse, Violence, political and racial division, murders, mass shootings. We've had 321 mass shootings since January, leaving about 352 people dead. Something is wrong in our nation, and there's a sickness in our nation, and we need healing in our nation. But I want to say this. Watch what you say. When you watch in the news, everyone, you'll notice that the news dwells on what? Bad news. Because bad news sells. Did you know the negative gets a stronger reaction than the positive? But you talk about negative things, I'm telling you what, it just goes like, just like wildfire. But I want to just say this this morning, that America is not as bad as the news makes it out. Even if there are 350, there should not be any mass shootings at all in our country. Are we agreed on that, right? But if you took a look at it, there's 340 million people in the United States. If 350 of them did the worst case scenario I'm talking about went out like they did, that's one in a million. We concentrate on one when there's a million that are doing right. We concentrate on the one that is doing wrong. And here's what I want to just prove to you here this morning that, uh, in other words, don't focus just always on the bad, but focus on also what is good. Let me, just, let me just say something here. And that's why I'm saying God bless America. Thank you, Lord God, that you have blessed us, that you put us on the best piece of real estate in the whole globe right here. And, but help us not to squander your blessing. Help us to be good with it. Help us to be a blessing with it. Let me just prove that, that, that our society right now is even better than we're saying. And, and I know we have all of our things that we focus in on. But I want to just ask you here this morning, let me just prove it to you right now. How many of you that are uh, looking at me right now, listening to me right now, how many of you kept the law this week and you tried to be a good person this week? How many of you did not kill anyone this week? <laughs> Even though you might have felt like it, but I didn't ask you that. I said, how many of you did not kill anyone this week and how many of you did not end up in prison this week? And so what I'm trying to say is that that's almost 100% here this morning. Give yourself a good hand. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm saying we many times focus on the problem but not, not focus on what is good. 
So there is a time to focus on the goodness of America as well. So, uh, and by the way, if you live in this world too, there's coming a day, in, 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 even in America, where you'll be criticized and even persecuted for your faith. It starts out, first of all, for being marginalized. And we are being marginalized in America right now. Our faith is kind of being marginalized. It is also being criticized, but one day you'll even be persecuted for your faith if you want to live a godly life. It's happening all over the world right now in China. All of our missionaries, all of our Assemblies of God missionaries right now are out of China because China is coming up against the church and coming against Christianity and Christians. Here's what you need to know about China. I've been there twice, but I can tell you this. If every time that the church is pushed back, and all of the time, even when the missionaries are removed, the church keeps on growing because you cannot stop the church. The Word of God says this, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. In China right now, even when they're repressed, they're having home meetings. They tear pages out of Bibles. They pass them around. They read Bibles. Did you know that Bibles are printed in China? Most people don't even know that, but lots of Bibles are printed in China. But I'm just saying this is, if you try to hold the church back or hold it down, guess what? God will always prevail over evil in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. In fact, the Bible says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Say with me, will be persecuted. Well, evildoers and impostors will grow from bad to worse, deceiving and being de deceived. God is calling us to be a righteous people in the middle of an unrighteous nation. And it's true. There's a lot of people that are without God, but that's our opportunity to lead them to God and for our country to be healed. So... Let me just ask this question this morning. We're talking about blessed, the blessed nation. What makes a nation great? The Bible says in Proverbs 14:34, righteousness makes a nation great. Sin is a disgrace to any nation. So say with me this morning, righteousness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any nation. So since we live in a sinful generation, in a sinful nation, but a blessed nation, we're blessed, but we're living in sin, so many of us. Where's our hope? Well, let me tell you what. Our hope is in Christ Jesus, our risen Savior. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We don't stand on the sand. We stand on the rock who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus can change lives and turn a sinful person into a righteous person. He can change sinful people into righteous people. And he can turn a sinful nation into a righteous nation. Hallelujah. And let me tell you how it begins. It doesn't begin someplace else with someone else. It, be, it begins right here in the house of God with us, the people of God. So more than ever, America is hurting and in need of a healing touch from the Lord. They're empty out there, everyone. They're empty without God. They need a healing touch from the Lord. What are we to do? Let me just uh, uh, show you what we're to do here this morning. Two points is all that I've got here this morning now on this message. Some sub-points, but I'll have two main points. First of all, God has called us to pray. Say with me this morning, pray. And the most powerful verse in the Bible that tells us how our nation can be healed is found in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. all right? And you've heard this and you've heard me preach on it, but let me just give it to you right now. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then 
I'll hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sins, and I'll bring healing to their land. If who? If my people began to pray. He didn't say, I want pagans to pray. He said, I want my people to pray so that pagans can be healed and, and saved. Amen? But it begins. In other words, we're looking here this morning. How can our nation be blessed? I'll tell you what. We want God to, be ble- we want God to bless America, but for, God, for, for America to be blessed, it's time for America to bless God. In other words, to turn the table. I'm talking about for us to turn up the heat as believers and say we're going to be the people of God that God has called us to be and we're going to start by examining our own lives and praying. Hallelujah. So God has called us to pray. Say with me this morning, pray. Now let's unpack this verse for just a second. I know you've got your notes there before you, but I like notes because it's kind of tactile. You write it down and then it gets into your spirit even more. But it says this, it says, if my people who are called by my name, my people who are called by my name, let me just ask you this morning, how many are thankful that you are people of God? Hallelujah. And you've been called by the name of the Lord. When I give a blessing at the end of a service, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine above you and give you favor and give you peace, all of those things. If you read right before that, he says, Aaron was saying to the priest, he says, I want you to put... The name of the Lord over the people. Every time you receive a benediction or a blessing, what we're saying is, I want the name of the Lord to be over you. Now, I know you've got your own family name and your own families, praise God, but how many are you glad that even over your own family name, you've got the name of the Lord over you, right? My people who are called by my name, and I'm, call, I'm telling you here this morning, everyone, you are a child of God. Hallelujah. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, part of the family of God. God loves you with an everlasting love. He looks at you like you're the apple of his eye. No one can pluck you from his hand. He says, just try it. And if God before you, who can be against you? Praise God, because we are part of God's family. How many of you will stand in the gap for your own natural family? Now, there was man, I'll tell you, well, you can touch me, but don't touch my kids. And I'm telling you, that's with God with you too. We're part of the family of God. In fact, the Bible says this, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Praise God. God has sent His Son to be our heavenly good shepherd. And the good shepherd watches over His sheep. And if the wolves come in from the side and they will, praise God, we've still got God protecting us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let me give you some good news today. You belong to the Lord. You're called by his name. You're his people and the sheep of his pastor. Praise God. It's, where does change begin? Begins right here with us in this building. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Here's the second part of the prayer this morning. Will humble themselves. Say it with me this morning. Will humble themselves. How many of you that God does very poorly with pride? In other words, if you ever start to think you stand, take heed lest you fall, because that's pride, and he just doesn't do well with pride. How many of you do well with pride? You know what I'm saying? In other words, with other people that come across as haughty or whatever, you know, and and full of pride, we just kind of just push away from that. Same thing with God. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord, when we say, God, I don't have the answer, but I know that you are the answer, and then we come to him with a humble heart, that's when the Lord will lift us up. 
Some of you right now feel like, man, I've been tripped up in life. I'm feeling down right now for the count. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'll tell you what, if you are weak, you're in a good position right now because God is going to make you strong. In your weakness, he's going to be made strong. And I'll tell you what, my best moments and my spiritual journey have been when I've humbled myself before the Lord and just knelt beside my bed or knelt in a chair and said, God, I don't know what to do. You know, but my eyes are on you, Lord God, and I'm going to keep my eyes on you. I humble myself before you, and then before you know it, God begins to lift you up. You might be in the middle of a mess this morning, but I'm telling you what, you're not in the middle of too big of a mess that God cannot lift you up and throw down the lifeline, pull you out of that, I'm talking about that stormy water, and place your feet on solid ground in the name of Jesus. But it starts with humbling ourselves before the Lord. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And the Bible says this in Psalm 138.6, Though the Lord is great, how many believe that God is great? He, he's so great, but he cares. You know, this awesome God cares for us. He cares for the humble. But he keeps his distance from the proud. Did you see that? He keeps his distance from the proud. So be humble and God will come to you. And the Bible says this, God resists the proud, but he gives what? He gives grace to the humble. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is unmerited favor. He gives grace to the humble. Man, have you ever had God make a grace move towards you? I mean, grace moves to God. I'm, I'm not only giving you what you need, I'm going to give you what you even want and what you didn't even deserve, but that's called grace. Hallelujah. I talked to somebody the other day, works for one of our um, uh, rescue units, fire department, you know, police unit there, I talked to him, he says, man, we were just talking the other day, and I ended up, uh, the, the, the department gave us a 9% raise, just like that. A 9% raise, man, that would make, a, a, you know, any of us want to dance. Can I get a witness, amen? We were only expecting 25 or 3%, and they gave us a 9% raise. Praise God. Wow, that was really good. You know, we used to say in church, that'll make a Baptist want to shout. Can I get a witness? But we don't say that anymore. Because uh, the Baptists are already shouting. Praise God. That's why. Um, where am I at? Well, humble themselves. Oh, what I'm saying is, when you humble yourselves, God will come at you, not only meet your needs, but so many times exceed your needs. I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you even ask or think when you humble himself. So the Bible says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Hallelujah. So we humble ourselves. Here's the next part of this prayer is this, and pray. Say it with me this morning, pray. Jesus encouraged his disciples, he encourages us that we should always pray and not give up. I would that men, everyone would, everywhere would pray and not give up and not faint. So get this, everyone, keep on praying because prayer changes things and prayer changes everything. When we pray, things begin to change. Hallelujah. Praise God. So many times I get caught up in the problem when I need to get caught up in prayer. You know what I'm saying? I've got the problem thing down. Man, I'm just thinking about that. But no, I need to get caught up and reboot and start to pray. Thank you, Lord God, because prayer changes everything. In fact, Abraham Lincoln said this, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had no place else to go. Have you ever been there and felt that? But I'm telling you what, if you're in leadership, you feel that. 
and a president, I'll tell you what, we would be, it would be so good for our nation, for any nation, to have our presidents put a great, great um, place for prayer in their administrations, right? I've been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Now, the next part of this prayer is this, and seek my face. Say it with me this morning. Seek my face. That's seeking God's face. Hallelujah. And it just has to do with seeking God. When I was a little kid in North Dakota, um, 14 years there, so that's a little history, we would have a tabernacle out in our Bible camp that we'd go to every summer, and we'd have Bible camp out there. So all of the churches would come in, we had Bible camp, and the Bible camp, get this, the name of the town that it was in was Devil's Lake. Can you get that? I'm serious. You can Google it. It's, uh, it's sure as I'm standing here, I'll quit next Sunday if that, if that isn't true. <laughs> Devil's Lake, North Dakota, home of Lakewood Park Bible Camp. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Just look it up. It's there. Anyway, but on the tabernacle and all kinds of people, man, we had Holy Ghost meetings there. I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit, people called to ministry, missions meetings, all this stuff. We had wooden benches and we had gravel on the floor because we couldn't afford yet to put in the concrete. That came maybe 10 or 15 years later. And us kids would be kicking that gravel during the sermon and digging holes in that stuff and misbehaving and all that. But God was in that place. But over the front of the uh, tabernacle... Uh, were three words that said, seek the Lord. Say it with me this morning, seek the Lord. And we knew that we came into that tabernacle and we came to seek the Lord. And I'll tell you what this morning, everyone, there is a time to seek the face of God. And the Bible says this, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. And I'll tell you, oh man, there's so much there right now. Don't wait to call on the Lord, man, he's near, call on him right now. Don't push that to the side. Sometimes you just need to get calling on the Lord right in the moment. Call on him when he's near. In fact, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what? All these other things will be added unto you. Now, I want to just prove something here this morning. Everyone in this place needs things. Just say it and admit it to me. I need things. I need stuff. There's things that I need. And there's nothing wrong with that. Y'all need some things. But the Bible says the thing you need most is to seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek the things, but think, seek God and you'll get God and the things. So seek first the kingdom of God, then what? And all these other things will be added unto you. So he says, seek my face. Last part of the prayer says this, and turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your wicked ways. The Bible says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous person their thought forsake that. Have you ever had any thoughts come your way? that just weren't the right thoughts. They were ungodly thoughts. It's kind of quiet in here, but it's true. I'll, I'll speak about that in a few weeks, maybe, just the, the battlefield we have in our mind, but there's things that come into our mind, like where in the world did it's the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the only way you can even get even quench them is by holding up the shield of faith. I'm going to have, have faith in God. But he says, you need to forsake those thoughts. And you say, just like you'd forsake an old girlfriend. Don't hold on to your old girlfriend. You forsake your girlfriend. That's why people are getting into trouble on Facebook, because they didn't forsake anybody. Are you telling me I'm talking to you right now? It's none of your business to go back to that old girlfriend. You forsake her. Well, that would be a wrong thing to do. You know, it would be the right thing to do to save your life and to keep you out of misery. In the name of Jesus. 
Let me tell you what, you start messing around with another woman and you're going to have three rings, the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. No, but I'm talking about here, I'm, I'm resonating here. You guys know what I'm talking about. It says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous person their thoughts. In other words, forsake your thoughts. When the thoughts are wrong coming in, I forsake that right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you thoughts, and when they come over again, man, you just say, I forsake you again. In other words, I'm not marrying my thoughts, I'm forsaking my thoughts in the name of Jesus. We're talking about how to change a country right now. It begins with changing ourselves from the inside. Seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. And it says, let them turn to the Lord. If you'll turn to the Lord, he will have mercy on them and to our God because he will freely pardon. Hallelujah. Now, turning to the Lord means to repent. So to repent means turn to God in your notes there. Turn to God. Say with me this morning, turn to God. And in Acts chapter 3, when they were preaching, they said, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, I'll tell you what, if you want times of refreshing and joy to come into your spirit, forsake your sins, turn to God, repent, and then times of refreshing will come into your life. Woo! So, I was reading this by... Um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great preacher in London, before there were ever PA systems, he was preaching to tens of thousands of people. Read about him in Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. And uh, anyway, he, had, he, and he wrote so many things that are so great. But he says this, Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we with earnest grief by doing so no more. So, so And show that we in earnest grief by doing so no more. So in other words, repentance means this. I was walking this way. It was the wrong way, but I turned around and I'm walking the right way right now. I turned around. It's turning to God. And so he says this. Repentance is to leave the sins we loved before and show that we in earnest grief. In other words, it, it, that we in earnest grieve. We grieve over the sins that we committed. And, and, by, and, and here's what we do to make it different, by doing, so, we, by doing so no more. In other words, we grieve, and it causes us not to do the same sins again. Here's what happens in the typical church. We come to church on Sunday, and then we repent, but then we go right back to our sins on Monday. And because we don't grieve in our own heart over the sins that we repented of, they didn't bother us that much because we went right back to them Monday morning. God help us. God help us to have a holy hatred for sin. Can I get a witness here this morning and tell where it really bothers us? <clears throat> okay. Next thing here this morning is this. Then he says, now you do this right here. Then you're, I'm going to hear from heaven. When you repent, when you humble yourself, when you seek my face, I'm going to hear from heaven. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that hears our prayers? <laughs> hey, everybody, I want to just say something to you right now. God is not mad at you. God loves you. 
Can I get a witness right now? He's just waiting for you to turn, and he says, I will have mercy, and I will abundantly pardon, but he's waiting for us to make the move to him. But if we come to him with humble hearts and say, God, man, I've, got, I've messed up my life. I'm a mess on the inside. My thoughts are a mess. My actions are a mess. Lord, just help me. And, and you come with a repentant heart. God says this, I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm going to receive you, and I'm going to abundantly pardon you. And he'll send you on your way with a song in your heart. Hallelujah. He says, I'm going to hear from heaven. Aren't you glad this morning that we don't serve a bunch of dumb idols? Because dumb idols can't see, they can't speak, they can't smell, they can't reach, they can't walk because they're dumb idols. And the people that serve dumb idols are as dumb as the idols. That's just Bible coming out right there. The people that serve the dumb idols are just like the idols. They're dead. Both of them are dead. But God is alive and he hears our prayers. Hallelujah. We serve a God that can hear. In fact, the Bible says this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. Thank you, Lord God, that you hear me. God, that you're going to save me. Hallelujah. And then he says this in the last part of this prayer. God will forgive their sin and bring healing to their land. He'll forgive their sin and bring healing to their land. The Bible says this. Blessed or happy and joyful is the one whose transgressions are Forgiven whose sins are covered. If you want your sins covered, you're going to be blessed, blessed, happy, joyful is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. How many, let me ask you a question. Look at me, everyone. How many of you have been forgiven in your life and you felt like you lost maybe five or ten pounds just like right now because you were forgiven? That weight of guilt was lifted right off of you. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. You're blessed to those who transcend, and then once we change, America will change, amen. I had two points this morning. I've gotta be real short on the next one here. Um, the, the first point was this, is, is we need to pray and pray this prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and bring healing to their land. Second thing that I wanted, the second thing the Holy Spirit was put in my heart for this morning was this. So praying is something that we do, all right? It's something that we do. Say it with me. It's something that we do. But then God wants us to be something. Not only do something, but to be something. So the second thing this morning is this, is God wants us to be salt and light in our region, in our world, all right? Salt and light. Hang with me, and then we're out here, and I'm going to give you some ice cream and hot dogs. Can I get a witness? Amen. God has called us to be salt and light in our region and the world. First of all, salt is a difference maker. Um, it's a flavor enhancer, but whatever salt is added to becomes better tasting. Have you noticed? So salt is a difference maker. It makes things better tasting. And so it's a difference maker. If you add salt to something, it just gets better. And let me just say this, God wants you to be a salty believer. Be salt because everything that you come into contact with is going to become better because you are being a salty believer. In other words, you're going to cross, you might be crossing paths with somebody who is bitter, but because you are salty, you help them to become better. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You were the flavor enhancer. You were the one that brought salt in the equation and it made their situation better. So in our course of, 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 of living, we are salt and it's like it, 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 we are difference makers. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, you know, like the church is the salt shaker and we come out of this church, salty believers going out into this communion, this community and making things better. Every, at every turn that we make, we make things better. Hallelujah. We can do it in small ways. We can do it in big ways. 
For those of you that are rich and have lots of money, or some, you don't have to be rich, but you just, just give a better tip. And, and, and give a word of encouragement, people, a smile. The other day, not the other day, but several months ago, during COVID, I was having a haircut before Christmas Sunday. I was having a haircut, and, I, and, and the, 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 the hair place was closing the very next day. Somebody cut my hair. I didn't even know the person, um, but they cut my hair and, and, and was a, a $17 cut. And I'd been blessed during Christmas, and I, I gave them, I put on their the little deal where you press in the amount, you know, um, $100. And, 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 and then they said, oh, you, you must have that wrong, sir. It's, you meant to put in $10. I said, no, you're closing tomorrow. You don't have a job tomorrow. I still have a job tomorrow. She had just been back to work for, didn't even know this person, been back to work for about three days, and then they closed it for COVID, and no income anymore. Just went from no income to three days income, no income. The Lord just said, just give her $100. You can do that. And, 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 and so how many you know that that improved her day? I've never seen her before, never seen her since, but I go like, praise God, I did what I could do. And then sometimes on a, another tip, I'll say, I'll give you $10 or $15 I mean, the other day I had a cup of coffee for $3 and I tipped $2. Well, that was okay, right, what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is this. I'm not trying to look at what I did. I'm saying, how can you, Pastor Perry, how can you afford that? Because I'm blessed and because $2 isn't going to make me poor and it's not going to make them rich. I can just do that. Can I get away? Because I, I can tell you how I do it. How it, it's because I don't drink those fancy Starbucks drinks, the, the Frappuccino Camiato deal for $8 a drink, you know. I just drink a little coffee, then I have more for a big tip. Can I get a witness? Okay, never mind. See, this is what happens. I, your time is valuable today, and I just, I, I should not waste any of it. All right, so uh, with some of these illustrations. I'm saying that at every turn, you can do something with a smile, with a good gesture. Some of it costs no money at all just to improve somebody's situation. Can I get a witness? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So be salty salt. Also, salt is a preservative. Say with me this morning, a preservative. So whatever, whatever salt touches becomes less perishable. Hear me on this. It becomes less perishable. So Jesus said, I've come. Jesus, God sent Jesus into this world that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. But he said, you be salt because salt, if you put salt like on meat, it lasts longer. If you put salt on fish, it can last for a long time, just salted, smoked fish, and it'll just be last a whole long longer. Let me just say this. When you are salty believers and come to fellowship with someone that's outside of the faith and doesn't have Christ, you actually help them to find life in Jesus Christ. You preserve their life. You help them to have a longer life because of knowing Jesus Christ or everlasting life. You know what I'm saying? But you're the, in, you're the agent that introduces salt. In other words, I'm going to be a salty believer, but it's also going to keep them from perishing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in other words, you mean I have the ability to share the gospel that help somebody keep from perishing? Yes, and that's what's called being a salty believer. Hallelujah. So the Bible says it this way. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is therefore not good for anything except to be thrown down underfoot. But I just want to encourage you this morning, be salty believers, make a difference, make things better, and preserve life through, with Christ with you. You can preserve life uh, by sharing Christ with others everywhere you go. That's salt, all right? Now let's talk about light. Say with me this morning, light. 
You are the light. We live in a world filled with darkness, but light has the ability to penetrate and dispel darkness. So the Bible says this, when we walk out of this place, we are all light in the Lord. Do you know what they called the first, the church, the church, they not only called them Christians first at Antioch, but they also called them children of the light. Check it out in your Bible. Children of the light is because they were all shining big time for Jesus. When we walk out of this place, everyone, it's not that we, oh, we just went to church today. What you do today? No, no, no. I'll tell you what, I got filled with a gospel. Praise God. God's called me to pray and the, and, the, and the nation can change. God's called me to be salt and called me to be light. Man, I have significance in this world. I'm a preserving agent. Every time I get around something, it gets better because I'm here. Hallelujah. You can say that inside. Don't, don't announce it too much. But on the inside, you know it's going to get better because I'm salt. And now light, I'm coming out of this place. And I'm light in the Lord. Hallelujah. And we are light. We are agents of light. Children of light for the Lord. And the Bible says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand they don't hide their light. They put it out there. And gives, it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, I'm such a King James guy, guy that it's hard for me to read NIV sometimes. But let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. But let your light so shine. Say with me this morning, let my light so shine. It didn't say let your light kind of shine. Did you know that light has intensity? That light has luminance? That light has this? You can, at, at home, even in this LED gener generation, we still have dim and we still have medium and we still have bright. God is saying this, if you are a light, just don't be a dim light. In other words, we have low, medium, and high. The three-way light, you can, you can adjust the intensity. Low, medium, and high. I'm just saying God has not called us to be low-intensity believers. God has called us to be not medium-intensity believers, but high-intensity believers. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I am salt and I am light. When I walk out of this place, I am light in the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. In other words, you have the ability, and that's how, we're talking about the blessed nation. How does it happen? How does it begin? It happens by us being who God called us and made us to be, to do something which is to pray and to be something which is to be salt and light. And that should give us significance and purpose every time that we walk out of this place. Praise God, we are ambassadors representing the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, I'm getting inspired myself right now. Years ago, there was a song that said, reach out and take somebody's hand or reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. I don't know. That might have been Diana Ross. I'm not sure. For those of you that are young and don't even know who that is, I'm jealous that you are young. But anyway, that was a really great singer. And she's still with us, but she's a great singer. But reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. To make this world a better place, you must reach out and make your block a better place first, and your neighborhood a better place, your community a better place, your country a better place, and then the world will become a better place. And we all say, I want to start with the world, but no, no. If you want to make this world a better place, start out with your block, and just make that a better place. Pick up some trash. Say hi to the neighbors. 
Praise God. And get to know, but start where you're at. Then you'll make the community a better place and our county a better place and our city a better place and the country a better place. Then the world will become a better place. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.